time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life. So we're in week three, in week one, just in case you were not here, and I'm going to give you a second just to finish your conversations. Just go down and finish it up. Finish. You done? Great. Dang, there's no sunlight in here. Thank you. All right. So, okay. So week one, me, my selfie, week one, me, my selfie, and I, we talked about Cain and Abel. And we talked about the filters that Cain had on his life and in his heart that even whenever God began to converse with Cain, Cain totally heard something different. Cain was stuck in the cave of comparison. Cave wasn't, Cain didn't believe what God said about him. Even though God came to Cain and said, hey, sin is crouching at your door and it wants to destroy you, but Cain... You can overcome it. You can rule over it. You can master it. And in that moment, Cain, for whatever reason, he chose not to. He made some bad decisions here. And then week two, we talked about the importance of, of knowing that God has a specific destiny and a purpose for your life. Just like he spoke to Jeremiah. And just like Jeremiah was paralyzed with fear. And it was hard for Jeremiah to actually believe that God, you actually want to use me like before. And, and the big idea from Jeremiah 1 was it translated there in the Hebrew. One of the things that God said to Jeremiah was, Jeremiah, I, I noticed you. And so no matter how overlooked you may have felt your entire life, or maybe just recently, God literally broke into the middle of this series just to say, I noticed you. I see you. I'm here for you, and I have a plan for your life. And week three tonight, we're just going to wrap up this, in, this entire series. I want us to go to Ephesians chapter 1, and we're going to start reading at verse 3. We're going to read Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 8. And then a few more verses in Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to pull some truths out of the scripture tonight. What Jesus has to say about you. So I'm going to start reading here Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3. It says, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Everybody say, every spiritual blessing. In the heavenly realms, because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. Verse 6 says, so we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. Verse 7 says, he is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. Verse 8 says, he has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. I want us to go over to the next chapter and pull up, uh, read a few verses out of Ephesians chapter 2 and then starting at verse 1. It says, once, and this is about us, once you were dead. Because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin 
just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. And you're just so enamored with them. <laughs> and you just want to date them. He is, at he is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. Verse 3, all of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. Verse 4 says, but God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us. Listen to this. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and his kindness toward us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Jesus Christ. Bow your heads real quick. Father, I thank you for the power and the light that we draw from the living, spoken word of God. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you will breathe on the word of God tonight and impart life, hope, strength, health, grace, power tonight. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, amen. 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 How many of you know just reading the word of God, that will preach all by itself. I could close up this iPad and we could go home and just hearing once we were dead in our sins. Nobody wanted us. Nobody was chasing after us. But the God of the universe, deity, clothed himself and took on a dualistic nature of humanity and deity and went to a cross all because he thought that you and I were worth it. The audacity and to know if he had to do it all over again just for one of us, he would gladly go. He would gladly do it all over again. Because he sees in us more than we have ever been able to see in ourselves. Can I get an amen? Come on, that will preach tonight. So the story is told, or actually scientists, scientists have come to the realization that, that ducks seem to imprint as soon as they are hatched and, and, and or right after birth. And so to imprint, imprint means that they attach themselves to the first thing they see after they hatch because they immediately think that they are whatever they first see as soon as they're born. And so, so this, is, this is supposed to work for the duck since, since when they hatch, normally the first thing that they see is the mama duck. And so they start quacking and hobbling and doing all, because immediately it's this biological term called imprinting. They begin to mimic because they actually believe I can do whatever I saw the first person doing as soon as I'm born. Now this phenomenon backfires occasionally 
The story is told in science classes that once, for example, a duckling was hatched under the watchful eye of a motherly collie dog. And the baby duck took one look at the collie and decided that the dog was its mother. So it followed the collie around, ran to it for protection, and slept with it at night, and it spent the hot part of the day under the front porch with the collie, and, and when a car pulled up into the driveway, right alongside the dog, here comes the duck, quack, 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 and, and, and going right behind the collie, and like pecking with his feet, like pecking at the tires on the vehicle. See, some things could not be changed, however, because the duck still quacked, Still enjoyed water, still enjoyed flapping its wings. Sometimes it acted like a duck, sometimes it acted like a dog. And how many of you know that's kind of sort of true with us as well? See, some of our first images, our first examples of fathers, our mothers, our leaders, our you name it, our Christ followers, weren't too pretty. And so the first kind of example of leadership in our life, because it wasn't so great, we begin to act out the first thing we saw. And, and it's not, and it affects all of us, some of us in different ways, but because the Bible says that we were born in sin and we were shaped in iniquity because of Adam's sin, therefore sin has reigned in our bodies. And so, so we're dis, we, we've been predisposed to it, but then some of us, there are different things. So, so, so if our culture or those around us tell us things like, well, you know, it, it's, it's kind of, I mean, it's okay, like it's, culturally acceptable like to I don't know I mean like you know lie a little bit or you know it's it's just I mean it's just what we do there's no it's no big deal or you know what it's when in terms of even gender roles or sexuality oh it's okay like you know I'm a guy but you know it's it's okay like another guy or girls are I mean it's not really wrong is I mean this is this is what's been modeled, and, and I mean, that's okay, or, 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 or into, you know, lust, or, or, or falling into just what status quo is, because, because we've, we've watched it modeled for us, and just like this, we say, okay, well, that's what we must be, and it's holistic. We go down the line, See, was, this is well, that's what I am. Or, or you know what? I'll never succeed at, at just being a Christ follower. I mean, I've seen everybody else in front of me, and they've nobody's really. I've never seen everybody in front of me has been hypocrites, or, or you know, they started out well, and then they kind of fell to the way. So, so, so we just fall like right into quack quack, you know, how about and 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 so we're going to be hypocrites as well, or or, or we we're, we're not going to really live in purity. It, it just it can't be done. Or, you know, we're going to live some just kind of halfway, lackadaisical, spiritual life and be, you know, go to church a little bit. Because that's what some of us seen our parents do. Because we go to church. It's, it's okay. I mean, kind of fit it in somewhere. And so quack, quack, fuck, hobble, and we, and we just fall right in line. But I'm here to tell you, I'm here to tell you, and if you don't get anything else out of this series, gosh, I say this all the time like a broken record and, and, and you guys, I need you to know this reality that if you don't know who you are, you will believe a lie. Your default is to believe a lie. 
there's a song that's popular, I guess it came out in the last year or so, you're only human, you know, and it's, and, and we use that phrase a lot too, like, well, I'm just, I'm just human, like, I'm not, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm just human, I'm not perfect, you know, but, but, but what you're missing is the epitome of humanity we've not seen except for back in the garden before the fall, because Psalm 8 tells us that all of creation, God has created, but then he created humanity, and one translation says, and created him a little lower than the angels. That's actually a very poor translation, because it says, made him a little lower than Elohim, and Elohim is never translated in the Hebrew to angels. It's God himself. And so you, you've got to make this connection. What we are seeing now is a fragmented, broken reality of what humanity. But whenever Jesus comes and he breathes into us and we are restored, we are brought from death to life, then our spiritual eyes are open and we are awakened to a reality that says, you know what? I was created imago Dei, in the image of my God. And there Therefore, I have his nature and his DNA on the inside of me. Therefore, I was created to glorify him. I was created to worship him. I was created to advance his kingdom in the earth realm. I didn't just accidentally slip into what we call time or slip into the earth realm. I was a prophetic word that originated in the heart and in the mind of God. And I was breathed out because God loved me so much. But how can we believe truth if we don't know truth? How can you believe what you don't know? Therefore, we believe a lie. Oh, I'm just, it's just me. I'm just Bethany. I mean, what am I going to do? I'm just fill in the blank. And you've missed the whole point because you believe the lie. See, we act like the thing we think we are. We act like the thing we think we are. And again, this is so important, you guys. Hell has specifically crafted an identity just for you. I don't care how much money your family has. I don't care how Christian your parents are. I don't care how much Republican you vote, whatever. You, you, yeah. And so the, hell has crafted an identity no matter who you are just for you and unless you are choosing to believe what God says about you you will by default walk in some level of that identity hey in this series we're talking about me my selfie and I we're talking about you we're talking about us tonight but I want us to focus on truth tonight what God has to say about you you guys you are so much more in a face, in a crowd. You are so much more than a selfie pictures on Instagram. You are so much more than a profile picture on social networking. You're so much more than a face in a crowd. And so tonight, we're going to focus on what God has to say about, and I want to speak specifically, see this is where, it, it go, a little bit of a dividing line here, those of you who, have, who are following Jesus, 
Because the truth is, if you're not following Jesus, well, we've already heard the devil is your Lord. He is working in you. He's your God. It is what it is. You're welcome here. We love you. But it is what it is. The devil is your king. He's reigning in your life. You're submitting to him. You're advancing the kingdom of darkness. There is no in-between. There is no, well, I'm trying. No, 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 no. Either Jesus is your Lord or Satan is your Lord. Can you handle truth tonight? Yeah, because our culture just kind of massages it. No, no, no. Your father is either the devil or is Jesus Christ. And the crazy thing is every single one of us started off with, with the enemy, with, with Satan at ruling in our hearts. If we believe the Bible, I don't know if we believe the Bible, if we believe Romans and all have sinned and come short, Romans 3.23 of the glory of God. And you know what I'm saying? And in my mother's womb, I was shaped in iniquity. But, but whenever we come before Jesus and we say, Lord, I give you my heart. And I want you to be my Lord and Savior now. I'm talking to those of you who've made an intentional decision to make Jesus Christ your Lord. Let me tell you about you tonight. Or let's let Jesus tell you about you. Ephesians 1.3 says, you have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. Now let's just think about that for a moment. Because you would say, well, you don't know my story. You don't know what, I ain't blessed. I'm, you know, I don't, uh, whenever I think about my life, I don't think, man, I'm blessed with every spiritual blessing. I'm blessed with every hardship. I'm blessed with, you know, weird people who hate me. Or I'm blessed with self-esteem. No, 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 no. See, the word of God says, if you're united with Christ, you have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. So we're not sitting there like paupers and beggars asking God to, no, 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 we know, you know what, God, because of what you've done on the cross, and because you are my Lord, I confess, Lord, that you have blessed me with every spiritual blessing, and this is my reality, this is what I walk in, doesn't matter what I see, doesn't matter what I feel, doesn't matter what you say, God says that about me, and I'm choosing to believe it, does anybody believe that tonight, come on, okay, so next, 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 so that's one truth, number two, you are, you, Christ, follower, you are united with Christ. And so what that means is where I go, he goes with me. And if I walk through the valley and I have people making fun of me, or if I'm in a season of sickness, or I got a bad doctor's report, or somebody hating on me, or somebody's lying on me, or somebody's treating me unfairly or poorly, it really doesn't matter because I am united with Christ. And as long as I have him on my side, if God be for me, who can be against me? Well, God is not only for you, but you have been united, tied to, super bonded with. In chemistry, we talk about bonds and, and, and super bonds. You've been bonded. With Jesus Christ. So break up with me if you won't. <laughs> I'm united with Jesus. Come on, somebody. Yeah. Come on. Ephesians. So this is, I mean, this is just scripture. Can we just, can we just read the script? So Ephesians 1, 3. Well, go on to verse 4. Ephesians 1, verse 4. You are. Now listen to this, because this is kind of, I mean, I don't know. You are chosen holy and faultless in his eyes now some of you you have such a religious spirit you're like i don't uh, no that can't be right you're telling me uh, i'm just telling you 
what, what Paul told the church in Ephesians. And, and actually, most scholars believe that he wasn't just writing to a specific church in Ephesians. Most scholars and commentators would even say that this letter actually circulated, circulated to multiple churches that Paul was an apostle over and literally pastoring. And he needed them to know, you are chosen, you're holy, and you're faultless in his eyes because of Jesus Christ. Not because of what you've done or what you have not done. Because of Jesus Christ. Because whenever he looks at you, he sees blood. He sees blood. And the blood that he sees is the blood that was shed on Calvary's cross. And that blood, Hebrews tells us, literally cries out salvation. It cries out freedom. It cries out holy. Isn't that something? See, again, you will act like the thing that you think you are. And if you truly believe this, you know what? I am holy before God. Therefore, I am moving from sin management. How many sins can I avoid today? That's garbage. That's garbage. Because whenever I have my identity secured in Jesus, I know I am holy. It's not how many sins I can avoid. It's what can I do to advance the kingdom of God today? Who's going to get healed because I pray for them today? Come on, somebody. Who's going to find and experience and encounter the love of God because I simply showed up on the scene? Why? Because I am united. I am super bonded with Jesus Christ. Ephesians 1 5. Let's keep going here. Ephesians 1 5. You are adopted into God's family. You are not an orphan. I don't care if somebody forgot about you, left you, doesn't want you, has told you all about the negative things about yourself and said you're not worth it. Or he had the beautiful thing about adoption is you choose to, right? Caleb, you chose to say, I, I want Aaliyah. I, I want this child. We, we, I, we, him and his wife, Rachel, we have hand-picked. I've chosen you. And you've got to know, you've been chosen to be adopted. See, once you know you're chosen, your little struggle to fit in becomes minimal. Because you realize, I ain't got to fit in. I was chosen. I've been adopted. I have a family. I don't need you. You know, you know, you get a little bit of, you know, it's, it's fine. Make fun of me if you want. It's what, it is what it is. Why? Because I have been chosen. I'm in the family of God. I don't have to perform for you. I don't have to try to pretend to be something I'm not. I'm already what he wants. He chose me. He chose you. Do you see him? Does this make sense to anybody tonight? Come on. And so, so look, so the benefits of being in the family of God chosen according to Psalm 103, the benefits that come by virtue of adoption is you are pitied by God. So whenever you're having a bad day and you want to have a pity party, just throw one with you and Jesus. He'll show up. Psalm 103, 13. He pities you. You know what? You need a friend to pity you? Tell Jesus. He pities you. And, and, and also because you're a part of God's family and you've been adopted, you are, Proverbs 14, 26, you are protected. So you're not only pity, you are, you are protected. Uh, uh, Psalm 91, he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall, shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge. He is my strength. 
And so you're, so you're pity. You're, you're protected. You, you are covered. And so, but, but moving on, you're provided for. Matthew 6, 31 through 33. He is your provider. He is your source. He is your everything. And then you are never forsaken. Psalm 94, 14. He never leaves you. He never forsakes you because you are united with him. You've got a super bond with Jesus Christ. You bring God because of Jesus. You bring God pleasure or delight. And let's just think about that one. Because whenever I think pleasure or delight, I think about things that make me happy and, and things that I actually, nobody, nobody forces me to do the things that, that I take delight in. It, it just naturally, by virtue, brings me joy. And so this is kind of ridiculous that in Christ, we bring pleasure to God. He actually enjoys. See, some of us think, well, God, you know, I'm, thank God he even loves me, barely likes me. No, you're missing it. You believe the lie. You bring him pleasure. Just you. Not doing anything, not performing, not even out winning the law. You bring him pleasure because of Jesus Christ. You are an heir to God and a joint heir with Jesus. So the same way that God feels about Jesus, if you are a Christ follower, that's the way he feels about you. Come on, somebody. That's really good news. Oh, that's really, really good news. Because every other religion tells us we have to work for it. And we've got to earn it. And, we, and hope to God it, we've done enough. And I'm just telling you, me, myself, and I, Christ has done enough. Jesus Christ is still enough. And once we have him as our Lord, he's ruling and reigning in our hearts. The same relationship that Jesus has with his Father. It's God, it's Jesus' great high priestly intercessory prayer. Jesus, Father, the same glory that you have, that, that we, God, would you reveal that glory to them? Would, God, would you give them the same? God, and Father, as me and you, as you and I are one, God, make them one and give them the same level of relationship I've had with you, not whenever I was born in Mary's womb because I am the pre-existent incarnate Christ, the same relationship that we had before we even considered creating humanity or creating earth or creating the universe, the same fellowship that we've been walking in from the beginning of time itself oh father that they may have that level of relationship with you come on it's a cry of his heart tonight that's the cry of his heart tonight but you don't get that just by sitting down and just well I, just, I don't know I don't really know no no you get that whenever you get into God's word and you says father what, whatever you have to say about me that's what I believe and I don't care what, 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 what people say. God, whatever you are saying about me, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that is proceeding out of the mouth of God. And I'm telling you, there is a proceeding word that is coming out of God's mouth tonight. And I'm just asking you, do you dare to believe? Me, myself, and I, week three, working hard tonight to get this truth in your heart.
because I love you guys. And you've got to know it. If you don't hear it here, where else are you going to hear it? Because our culture and our society definitely isn't telling you about how much God loves you and, and the rewards of serving him and knowing Jesus Christ. A couple more, you guys. Can you stand and know a little bit more about yourself? Ephesians 7. You are forgiven in Jesus. You're forgiven. That's a big deal. Blood was shed so you could live forgiven. Ephesians 1.8. You walk in the wisdom of God. You have the disposal of the wisdom of God. Or you have the wisdom of God at your disposal. So you don't walk foolishly and senselessly and mindlessly like the walking dead or something. No, you, you walk in the wisdom of God. I love that. Ephesians 2.5, skip me over. You are rescued, set free. And healed. That's literally what the Greek word for salvation, it's sozo. It doesn't just mean salvation like eternal security. It literally translated means, many times throughout the New Testament, it's either translated based on what was happening at the moment. It could be a supernatural healing, an emotional healing, or freedom from physical or spiritual bondage or emotional bondage. Or it also means to make whole. And so you go with that mindset. Because you've accepted Jesus and because he is your everything, you know what? You're healed. You're whole, you're set free. Ephesians 2, 6, I love this. You, you, turn to the person next to you and say, you. Well, if you're following Jesus, put that clause in there. I'm just saying. If you're a Christ follower, no, tell him, really. Look. If you're following Jesus, great, because we, we can't just tell lies to people. Okay, great. <laughs> Ask him, are you a son of the devil? No, don't ask me. (laughs) But think about it. Okay, here we go. You are seated in heavenly places. You're seated in heavenly places. And what does that mean? Like, what what does that mean? Okay, I'm so glad you asked. Revelation 3.21. This is not only a present reality, but it is a future prophetic declaration of you. Why? Okay, Ephesians 3.21. Look at this. To him who overcomes. This is Jesus talking. This is red letter writing in your Bible. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me, Jesus, on my throne and as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. Come on. I'm just saying, this is what Jesus has to say about you to him who overcomes how do we overcome by the blood of the lamb you don't overcome by positive thinking and willing it to happen you overcome because you've accepted the blood of the lamb on your life and the word of your testimony come on this isn't positive self-help this is truth and revelation in light of god's word if you are following jesus christ and it's so it's so it's a present it's a prophetic picture There is a throne that you will sit with in Christ, but also presently to be seated with Christ in the heavenlies is a figure of speech, meaning God considers us worthy and destined to be seated with Christ in heaven when we get there. See, God has decided to do it, and it's as good as done. See, we just have to wait for a few years until it happens. So the wait the, the, the way it, it, it's worth it, the significance of being seated with Christ is much the same as being seated at the head of a table for a banquet where all the important people sit. 
It's a privilege and an honor. And it marks you as someone who's special and important to the uncreated God. You're a big deal to God. You're more than a profile picture. You are more than your amount of followers on Twitter. You are more than your friends on Facebook. You're more than just a pretty face in the crowd. To him, to him, you, you, you're everything. You're a big deal. I wanted to close this night, show you this pretty cool clip, it's a spoken word, and you'll see some familiar faces on the screen here as well. So if you could clue that up, cue that up and band make their way to the stage tonight, we'll get ready to wrap up here. My father said I could be anything I want to be, and it's up to me to turn my daydreams into realities. And typically, I just go with the flow as I paddle streams, but now my passion burns like calories for my purpose in this thing called life. What position do I play? I'm on a mission every day to decipher what kind of life I should lead. Should I lead? Should I follow? Am I filled or am I hollow? I need water because this life has been a tough pill to swallow, although that begs the question, who am I? No, seriously, who am I? I haven't come to a conclusion. I need answers, but all I have is options, and my heart is always shopping for new identities that need adopting, because I've been the outcast, I've been the jock, I've been the straight shooter, I've run from cops, I feel like the actor, but in this scene they took away the props, I have nothing to hide behind, and here I stand, exposed, like tan lines, left with the question, who am I? Three simple words to plan my time, and they're vital, my mind's on standby, my soul's still idle. Titles describe content, and I've been a book without a cover. Ask my father and my mother for assistance or some other kind of help. I'm feeling smothered by the media. It hovers what I want in front another and another and another. I've discovered nothing. Who am I? Everything I plan to be hasn't worked out. Insanity. Webster can't define me. You're looking at a jack of all trades, wearing a mask of all shapes, ready to act with no shame. It seems my possibilities are endless. I could be someone to follow or someone hardly worth a mention. Like Twitter, I'm bitter because my friends are trendsetters and dress better than me. I'm not trendy, am I? But I could change and spend my change in dollar bills on fancy things and swallow pills like my friends do. I don't do drugs, but I love to pretend to. I mean, it's hard to turn down what they lend you, what they send you. Weekends tend to be a curious set of days. Friday and Saturday, I do it all. But by Sunday, I'm ashamed of what I did. I'm on the fence, and here I sit. I go to church sometimes, and each time I ask God to answer the question, who am I? Does he know? Does he care? Are you listening? Are you there? It only makes sense to ask the maker why he made what he made. And since we all look different, our purpose can't be the same. I am someone, an individual, who's mostly confused and sometimes spiritual, looking to answer this question, praying the maker will respond, hoping society will quiet down so I can listen. will quiet down so I can listen. So I can listen. Tonight you've been given an opportunity to listen to what Jesus has to say about you. Not to what the world says, not to what maybe some of your terrible friends have said or your enemies or to listen to what Jesus has to say. 
And all I've told you tonight was literally 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture has been given and is, uh, has been given by God. It's God-breathing and it's profitable or beneficial for correction, for, uh, for uh, rebuke, for exhortation, for building up that the man or the woman of God may be fully complete and mature, lacking nothing. That means every bit of what I read tonight is connected to you because your destiny is tied to Jesus. It's tied to Jesus. Selfie and I, week three. How long are you going to believe the lie? How long? Tonight, you're going to have an opportunity by way of responding tonight. And maybe you're not even following Jesus Christ. And it's just true. It's just, it is what it is. That's where you've been. You're not been following. Lord. You have an opportunity tonight to give your life to Jesus, to surrender to him. Secondly, maybe you are Christ's follower, but you have not been knowing and believing the truths that God has said about you. You believe lies. Hey, it's okay. We've all been there. I'll give you opportunity to pray tonight. Every head bow, every eye closed. If you say, gosh, I've just, I've been, I've been believing some lies and I just need a truth encounter right now. I want you to stand to your feet very quickly. We won't have a ton of time. Stand to your feet very quickly. If you say, gosh, there's some lies that I've been believing and I just, I need, I need to encounter truth right now. I want you to lift up your hands to heaven. The Holy Spirit is already in this place. And I declare over you truth. Sons and daughters of promise with destiny on your life, with a purpose to fulfill. God, I thank you that you didn't make any accidents. Everything you've done in their lives on purpose, with purpose. So I ask of you tonight. For the spirit of revelation to strike every heart in the name of Jesus. And that they actually believe. Jesus, what you have to say. I cancel and I silence the voice of the enemy concerning every single person in this room. I command for the mouth of the enemy to be shut in the name of Jesus. Long enough for you to hear what Jesus has to say about you. I thank you that even now, God, you're dealing with self-image issues right now in the name of Jesus. I thank you that the revelation they were created in the image of God is striking hearts and breaking chains. Even now in the name of Jesus. Thank you that you're breaking the spirit of performance and fitting in, Lord, because now they know they've been adopted, chosen by the Lord himself. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thanks for the power in your word, Lord. In Jesus' name. This doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their stools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. They've got a vision and a mission for their life.